This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. Each week, we have someone that we interview, dive deep to pick their brain, to help us level up in our consciousness, to help us be find more fulfillment, and so much more. And my guest this week is all about having you tap into your creativity to find that fulfillment, to create a living with that. And our guest was B. Jeffrey Madoff. And We had such a great conversation, wonderful energy. I love what he talks about, you know, not just because it aligns with a lot of things I share, because I also learning from people who don't align with what I share, but it's one of those things where it just helps you return back to being that kid, you know, and how to tap into being a kid. This is, this is my vernacular of what I'm sharing here, but it's, it's looking at, you know, we talked about fear. And how to be fearless and what's the difference and and why what fear why fear holds us back why fear holds our creativity back and then what is the importance of being fearless we get into the the being and the aspects of looking at when it comes to um our life and, and how to connect the dots of life and looking at how things connect and where we are and what has led us to where we're going to be. It talks about the power of just creativity in general for being a business owner or just an average day person in the world, nine to five career or being whatever, or just being a stay at home mom, sharing these principles, these apply to everyday life in every aspect of life uh, rather than just being in one niche of one thing or another. And so we got into imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome? 
How, why do we let imposter syndrome rob us of fulfillment and so much more? Before I get to all that good stuff on this interview, real quick, I want to share who is B. Jeffrey Madoff. And he's the founder of Madoff Productions based in New York City. A gifted storyteller and incisive interviewer, Jeff has used those talents to help position major brands such as Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret, Radio City Music Hall, and the Harvard School for Public Health. Jeff began his career as a fashion designer. He was chosen to be one of the top 10 designers in the U.S., then switched careers to film and video production. He has since expanded his reach to include teaching, book and playwriting, and theatrical producing. He is an adjunct professor at Parsons School for Design, teaching a course he developed called Creativity, Making a Living with Your Ideas. Every week, Madoff has a conversation with a guest from a wide variety of fields, from artists and entrepreneurs to venture capitalists and business leaders. The book about the, his class, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas, was published by Hatchet in 2019. The podcast launched in 2021. Without any further ado... It is my pleasure to share with you guys, B. Jeffrey Madoff. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Vic. I'm excited to have you on. I love what you're up to. I love what you're doing. Uh, and just chatting with you prior to getting on here, I'm, I'm excited to get into some of the stuff that we were talking about here. Uh, but before we do, my listeners know, I always love to hear how you got into what you're doing today. What's your journey? What led you to where you are now? Um, and, you know, just what, what got you there, uh, if you mind sharing. Well, Vic, I'm seduced by ideas. So when things engage me, engage my curiosity, uh, allows me to engage whatever intellectual capacity I have, whatever creative expression I have, uh, that is like a magnet and attracts me. I don't think about, wow, this is a tremendous business opportunity. Uh, I think about, is this something I want to do? Is this something that really attracts me? Uh, and you're going to face inevitable obstacles and problems doing whatever you do. So my feeling is that knowing why you're doing it in the first place can sustain you through those difficult times. So I don't have a master plan because, you know, kind of like a moth, you know, oh, this light, oh, this light over here. And I've managed to continually have a career that involves creative expression. Uh, I was a first a fashion designer. And I had zero background in that, although I worked in a retail store. That was about it. Uh, and I built a successful clothing business. And uh, I was chosen one of the top 10 young designers in the United States. But it's a lot less impressive than it sounds because I think there were only eight of us. So to be in the top 10 wasn't a big deal. Uh, and I transitioned into the film business and I taught myself to direct, to edit, to shoot, to light, all of these different things, which I, I loved because once I concentrated on being the director, I also was very familiar with all the other areas that go into making a shoot successful and a collaboration successful. And at the same time, well, some years into it, I started teaching. 
And I teach a course called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas at Parsons School for Design in New York City. And uh, then I met an amazing person named Lloyd Price, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You may not know his name, but you know his music. Uh, songs like Personality, you know, because you've got walk personality, talk. And if you can get it from my horrible singing, think how successful he was when he could actually sing it and write it really well. And uh, I was so intrigued by his life and I was hired to do a documentary about him, which I did. And that opened up a whole new vista for me. And I became a playwright and I wrote a play about Lloyd's life. We had our first commercial run uh, this past March and we're going to be opening in Chicago in spring of 23. So I have no master plan. I've never had a master plan other than what's interesting to me. What can I do that I think is cool and that I really like doing? And of course, the reality of having to make a living. So, you know, I can't forget that because as, as early in my journey, you know, I, I also became a husband and a father. So I had responsibilities beyond myself. Uh, but it was always about what do I want to be doing? What do I find interesting? What's, what's fulfilling to me? And that's, that's essential. So I've, and along that path, I also wrote the book based on my class. It was an Amazon bestseller. It's called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. It's based on the class that I teach. So I've kind of hopscotched around or pinballed around. Uh, there's no linear path. And I think most people's lives kind of zigzag. They don't go in a straight line. You know, unless you go to dental school and become a dentist or law school and become a lawyer. But I didn't have those prerequisites. I had a, my, I had a double major in philosophy and psychology because I wanted to have two majors that would be of absolutely no help in getting a job. And so I succeeded in doing that. I, lo I love your story because it's, it's, it, it's something that I teach and try to teach entrepreneurs about understanding to follow what fulfills you, what excites you, right? And, I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of what you kind of did. It was what, what, it, what were you interested in, what you just felt like, okay, I love doing this. I, I would love to do something like this and learn how to do more of that. Is that kind of, kind of what you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, but I have to say that the patterns involved in that, in terms of seeking that fulfillment and all of that, uh, different modes of creative expression and so on, these are things that kind of happened. You know, it's not like I had a plan to get from A to B, then B to C, then C to D, and so on. It wasn't like that. It was just about being open to opportunity and being able to, and this is very important, recognize opportunity. That's a huge part of it because we all are faced with different opportunities all the time. But if your antenna isn't up, if you're not paying attention, if you're not present, you don't sense it, you don't get it. And so uh, you are correct. But what it was, wasn't me fulfilling on a plan it was me finding, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. 
and you know figure out a way to make a living at it. No, it's it's one of the things I'll always share with them. Like you know, when you get that excitement or you know that that big interest to do that, and as long as you hone in on that, then the the money and stuff will come around. I mean, or the ideas will come to you, or the thoughts will come, or people and circumstances will come to where all of a sudden you can make that to where you can make a living off doing those kind of things. And that's what I I love about your story so much in, in that aspect. Um, you know, when it comes to looking at Things like how well. Let's just look at creativity in itself. When it comes to being creative, is there is there like a limit to people? Like, is there endless expression to creativity? To to let's just go there first because I, I could go in many directions with that. But I'll just I'll just leave it there. So are um, are you asking what is creativity, or how do you foster your own creativity? Both, yeah. So. I think the creativity is the ability to connect dots, basically, where you can, just as we looked up in the skies and created the constellations and then the stories behind those constellations, uh, where in fact, it's just a lot of stars because humans have a compelling need to impose order on things and to try to make sense of things and are very, very uncomfortable with the notion of, of chaos. Uh, I don't happen to be uncomfortable with chaos. Uh, and so we all have these different organizing principles. For me, in terms of fostering creativity, the way that you create those dots is by being curious and being a seeker, which means going to movies, going to plays, uh, listening to music, reading books, going to conferences, engage with people who think differently than you do. And the more influences and the more diversity of influences that you take in, uh, the more dots there are to connect and that you can pinball around. So I think that creativity comes from first feeding that, and that feeding is a lifelong process you know, to stay curious. And for me, there's nobody worse to be around than somebody who's not curious because that presupposes that they know everything already. And that's certainly not a fun kind of a person to be around. So uh, I think dedicating your life to learning, uh, being open to things that you know nothing about and not being intimidated or afraid uh, and learning from those things they all feed what you do. And I believe that everything you do informs everything else you do if you're paying attention. I like that. I like the way you express it with the dots things, because it is one of those things where the more we can uh, have that diversification of a growing up in aspect and so forth and, and be able to have be around people who have different opinions than us. I think it, it would you say that helps us open our mind more then, and that's why we can open to more creativity and seeing things in different lenses or different perspectives and so forth? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that what's so important is also listening. You know, if you're just waiting for your turn to talk, uh, you know, you're not present and paying attention to what the other person is saying. And, you know, in terms of what you do with your podcast, what I do with my guests in the class is, you know, although I have notes and I've done my homework, it's listening and being present 
because then there's other directions that may be sparked that I hadn't even thought of. And it just makes it more spontaneous, more interesting, not only for the guest, but for the people that are listening. So I think that that's really, really critical. I couldn't agree more with that. It's, it's this one of the reasons why with even my own podcast, I don't really like to have a lot of structure per se to it. Um, because then I feel what I've learned over time is that in the conversation, things will come up and it's like, didn't even expect to even have that. We I didn't even expect to go down that rabbit hole, but then it was just like very valuable, wonderful, great information that came. And even the, even the guests be like, I didn't expect to even talk about that. And wow, that was a great convo. And I think it allows that opportunity where we, as humans, we like, you're saying we're, we're very, the biggest thing that humans fear is uncertainty. And it's one of those elements that we are always, always, always trying to control, compartmentalize, go to comfort. But that's really what our brain wants, not what we really want. And um, I think that puts us in a position. And, and, and one of the questions I want to ask on top of that is then, why is it that or what people get stuck with creativity? What are, what are the things that, why that they, like, cause sometimes you could talk to somebody, I, I've had this with clients where it'd be like, I can ask them a question and be like, let's get you know, this. And I'm like, I just can't think, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm like, well, what, let's, let's, let's work through this then uh, to get that. Does it get that spark back in? Um, what are, what are some reasons why people do get stuck when it comes to having like a, a, a just have it stop, get stuck with creativity? Well, I think a lot of it is fear. Fear that people think what you're going to say or do or show is stupid, that you're going to be criticized for it. And, you know, when you talk about essentially humans being wired against uncertainty, that's an evolutionary trait. You know, the uncertainty helped you survive. You know, if you didn't know what was around the corner, uh, there was a chance that you could fall off the ledge, be attacked you know, whatever it was. So the uncertainty and seeking certainty mitigated risk, or at least that's what it was believed. Also praying to the rain gods and, you know, whatever, whatever mythology or religion you believe in. Those are things that sort of psychologically created a veneer of control around your surroundings. They don't, <laughs> you know, that's not what really, that's how, not how life unfolds. But I think that the uncertainty is something that people try to avoid. Other people see uncertainty as an opportunity. They can capitalize on uncertainty, whether you're shorting a stock, you know, uh, or you're starting a business in a, in a realm that no one has done exactly that before. You're entering uncertain territory, uh, but you're doing it with a sense of opportunity there rather than fear. So I think that that plays into entrepreneurship also. So I think the way you get unstuck is you also have to become, in terms of being creative, fearless. That doesn't mean that you're not afraid. That doesn't mean that you don't have hesitation. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. But what it means is that that doesn't stop you. And where the fear is a problem is when it stops you, especially if it stops you from doing something you really want to do, an expression you really want to have, but you're afraid that you might be rejected. And I think that what happens with kids, it can be parents, it can be teachers, it can even be your peers when you're made fun of or your ideas are rejected or made fun of, you're going to have, uh, you're going to be much more inclined 
to not share those things because you're going to avoid the pain. And uh, avoiding that pain is, I think, another mission in life that most people have. And that can lead to addiction. That can lead to all sorts of things where people are trying to, because that pain is a form of damage, if you will. And I think that we all try to avoid pain or somehow soothe the pain. It could be through meditation. It could be through drugs, which is not a good choice to make. But, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we do that. And also restricting our own behaviors and our own thoughts because they become threatening if they're unsettling. Just want to take a quick break here and just share with you, if you've been enjoying this episode, please do me a huge favor and just share it with a friend a family member, someone that you know would benefit or enjoy listening to this just like you are. If this is your first time listening to the episode, please subscribe if you haven't done so already. It allows you not to miss another update or episode release that we do. If you're enjoying this, please do me a huge favor and share a review on whatever platform that you listen to at uh, the podcast on. It helps expand our reach and our mission out there, and so much more. Now, let's go ahead and let's get back to the show. No, It's so true. I mean, I'm thinking about myself here. I remember when it came to when I wanted to write my first book, I was like at 28, and I'm like, I want to get this out there. I think it's time. And I allow fear of like, well, what will it be a good book? We know this and that. And I asked some friends of mine who were very well to do at the time. And they're like, people write books when they have a huge following. And I was like, eh, yeah, but I, I want to be, I want to write this book. I don't care about the following. I, wanna, I, I was just very passionate about writing a book, but I let a lot of things hold me back. And it wasn't until six years later that I finally was like, I don't care. I'm just going to get this book out there. I don't care about, I'll have an editor take care of the, because the, I'm not great at writing grammatically. So I'm like, I'll have an editor take care of that for me. And I'm just going to get out there. And I was happy I did. It actually worked out very well for my being self-published. But it's one of those things where, yeah, I could see where the fear can hold so many people back. But at the, would you agree then? But the other side of fear is the freedom of what they seek. I think the the freedom of seeking <laughs> is I maybe more to the point uh, because there's a difference, you know. And I think if you allow yourself to explore. If you allow yourself to wander and then wonder about things, that can be very, very powerful. I love that. One of the things I like to share a lot, I was on a podcast sharing this, and, and I do this share this with clients about, and, and correct me if I'm wrong with when it comes to creativity, but I'm always like, we have to go return back to being kids from that standpoint, right? Because I, I love studying, being a pediatric chiro, I, I, mean, I was working with kids all the time. Half my practice was that. And it was always amazing because their sense of imagination and their creativity, like the, the things that they would say to me about the adjustment or sometimes, Dr. Vic, my, my brain's not working right. I need an adjustment today. And I'd just be like, I love that. Like they <laughs> get this. I love that. You know, and um, but it, how do we get back to then? I mean, we're talking about fear and you got to be fearless. I get that 100%. I'm with you. But how do we get back to that? Or what are some ways that we can become more creative or what I like to say, how to be more childlike? 
Well, one thing is that, as I said, constantly be taking in different influences and expose yourself to all these different kinds of ideas through books, through film, through discussions with others, conversations with people you don't normally talk to, whatever, all of that. But the question about the kid, it's interesting. One of the questions that I ask my guest every week in class is I will say to them, if we knew you when you were a kid, would we see any indication of what it is that you're doing now? And uh, I then asked the question, well, what really engaged you and excited you when you were a kid? You know, when I was a little kid, it was about, you know, we'd play cowboys outside. I never worried about the fact, what do I know about being a cowboy? Only the stuff I saw on television, you know, because when I was a kid, cowboy shows were really popular on TV. Did I worry? Well, I don't know that I could be a convincing cowboy. <laughs> I didn't think about any of, of that. Uh, it was just, you know, you would act out as a kid. And I was really fortunate because my parents encouraged me. You know, they never set limits on those things. If I wanted to draw, I could draw. If I wanted to write stories, I could write stories. If I wanted to use the home movie camera, the eight millimeter camera, I could do that. And they never set up boundaries for me. So I don't look at knowledge as being siloed. And I could go from writing to drawing to filmmaking to all these things that I love doing that was a, were a lot of fun. And it really struck me at one point, I was a kid, I had a movie theater in the basement. So uh, my parents let me go to, I grew up in Akron, Ohio. My parents let me go downtown. And so I would rent eight millimeter movies I would then design a poster and print it, put it around the neighborhood. And I put together some of these films and they were silent. So I took my sister's portable stereo and she wasn't crazy about that. Uh, and what I would do is make soundtracks for the movies, sound effects. And, you know, I'd synchronize the, the tape, which was reel to reel at that point with the movie and there'd be sound effects and there would be music and all of that. And then God, 25 years later, I'm sitting and editing a film and doing a, an effects mix. And, oh man, this is, this, this is what I loved doing when I was a kid and all of the things that I'm doing and all of the things that I have done relate to things that engaged me, excited me, and compelled me when I was a kid. So I think your question is a great question. And I think that you have to do a deep dive into yourself. What is it that excited you? What is it that you love doing? And really look at that in a real way and then ask, why did I give that up? You know, uh, why did I stop doing that? Or what did I replace it with that made me feel as good? You know, uh, I mean, it'd be a little weird if I was playing cowboys on one hand. On the other hand, if I was an actor and become a successful actor and I starred in, you know, Tombstone or some cool Western movie, maybe I was informed by my childhood and taking part in a movie like that was really cool. Or maybe you're a costume designer for something like that. I mean, there's just so many things that can feed into it, but you just have to look at it with eyes open. And again, that's another part about being fearless because it's not that, well, what did I know? I was a kid. I was just playing. 
well, that play could really lead to something. No, I love that. And it's, and I love how like sometimes they'll come in full circle like that, where you, you know, you love to, you did the film thing and all that as a kid. And all of a sudden you're doing it 25 years later. I just, I love hearing that. Um, because I think that's where sometimes we can find that, that deeper essence of fulfillment in some way, shape or form, because we get so caught up again, going back to certainty, going back to what can we do? You know, it's all about, if I start a business, I, this is what I want to do to make money. And here's how I have to do it. I don't care. Well, yeah, this is great. I would love to do that, but this is what I need to do. That I need to make money to pay the bills and I want to be successful here. And they dismiss that, that other element of what they really wanted to or what they enjoy. And I think that's what midlife crisis, I'm at, I mean, there's many reasons why midlife crisis happened, but because you can't, I always tell, I always tell people like from a mindset perspective, you can force things into some way or do something in a certain way, but there's a, another element of you. If you're not giving your, you're feeding, I say feeding your soul. If you're not giving your soul what it wants to experience and fulfilling that aspect of it, you're going to constantly be burned out, go to, you know, exhaustion, lead to depression. And then you're going to be looking back at your life going, what did I do? Why, you know, and the people who don't say those things are the ones that are leading those fulfilled lives, fulfilling what they being creative, being kid-like, and really just being like having that open mind, like you're talking about and just being open to it and just be like, I'm going to go and do this because I know that I feel good with this. I don't know if that's going to be the path. I may be bouncing around a little bit, which life is kind of like that. Right. And eventually I know that as long I'll finally figure that out down the road when I'm ready for that. But I know I need to go like in this direction where we're taught the opposite, unfortunately, in life to where it's like, no, you need to figure out what that's going to be. And then you go down that path. And it's so against how most of the time, not saying that's always like that. I mean, I went through the chiropractic route, but, but at the same token, it wasn't linear. I bounced around in computers for a little bit. Then I went to, then I had a health issue that chiropractic solved. And then that's when I went into business. And then I went to chiropractic school after that. Um, so definitely came out of left field for me. Uh, and I know many others too. So being the fearless, you know, you know, really being open-minded, really getting to that point. Then what happens here, and this is kind of what I was talking a little bit about, imposter syndrome. Let's let's chat about that a little bit because it's it's tying into what we're talking about. I think sometimes when we're when again for going for I, I use the term fulfillment uh, because when we're really filling our passions or what we enjoy and what makes us like a kid again, I think that that really the feeling that comes is being fulfilled, rather choosing to be someone that we're not or choosing to go down a path that we're not. Um, do you mind sharing with the listeners what is imposter syndrome and then? How how can we be aware of it more? Um, and then how can we change that? So I'm loading three questions at you at once. And, and I'll and I'll preempt that a little bit. I want to say one more thing about certainty. There is none. So the whole idea of seeking certainty and thinking you're playing it safe, honestly, is a bigger risk. Because if you invest so much in the notion of security and being safe, then uh, there's, you know, I mentioned my degree was in philosophy and there is a phrase, uh, shit happens. <laughs> and, you know, so I think that, that if you buy into the fact, well, this is safe, this is straightforward, certainty is really not a real thing. It's certain until it's not, is essentially what it is. And that ties into the imposter syndrome because the imposter syndrome is people who are concerned that who am I, am I good enough to be talking about this? Can I call myself that? Now there's a difference between imposter syndrome and somebody that's trying to con you. 
you know, that's they have a whole different agenda. So I'm talking about imposter syndrome in that you doubt your own ability to do something, even when you do it really well, because you never allow yourself a pat on the back that originates from you. Wow, that did pretty cool there. That was good. And I think it's really important to celebrate your victories because there's going to be defeats. Life isn't easy. You know, it's tough. And, you know, doing what you want to do, making a living with your ideas, making a living, period. It can be hard. You know, you can go through fallow periods and, and it's difficult. But, you know, the thing about imposter syndrome is you add the additional psychological burden of wondering and doubting yourself. And I know people who are very accomplished, but every time they embark on a new thing, they're wondering, I mean, am I just faking it until I make it? You know, am I really worthy of this? Am I good enough? And the fact is that everybody, I don't know if they fake it until they make it. I wasn't a playwright until I was a playwright. I wasn't a director until I was a director. So when I declared that I was, you know, writing a play and actually doing something and heading in that direction, I was willing to make that statement. Yeah, I'm writing a play that uh, I hope to produce. And I was doing that to also hold myself accountable as opposed to keeping it all inside. So if it didn't work, I never really mentioned it to anybody. So I can't be an imposter because I kept it quiet. Nobody really knew. But, you know, what you're also doing is preventing and cutting off a major avenue of fulfillment and allowing yourself to like yourself and allowing yourself to do what you want to do. And uh, it's kind of a hackney phrase, but it's empowering yourself, you know, to do that. So nobody wasn't an imposter by the traditional definition until they accomplished what they were trying to do but you don't start off accomplished, you know, it's, it's a path until you get there. So I think that imposter syndrome is all about self-doubt. And I think that self-doubt comes from the issue of risk, being a perfectionist, which there is no such thing. I love, there's two phrases. Uh, how do you get to Carnegie Hall as the old joke goes, practice? Practice makes perfect. Nobody's perfect. So, you know, it's, it's all these bromides have different counterpoints to them. And I just think that imposter syndrome is something that really plagues a lot of people and stops a lot of people who are very accomplished, very talented. But that doubt was instilled, I think, when they were quite young. And uh, I think it's working through some of these personal issues that free you up again to free you up to do that. And you really have to put yourself through that kind of misery and punish yourself when you're doing something. And why don't you give yourself some credit for even trying? Because as long as you're trying and we're all trying all the time, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's not like you're done, you know, when you accomplish something, it's, that's just another part of the process. Right. So, Imposter syndrome is something to really be confronted and that confrontation is a very personal one, whether you do it with a therapist or whether you do that deep dive into yourself, if you have the capacity to do that.
but it's something that's really important to confront because it can rob you of the joy of the process you're involved in. And I love the joy of the process. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more with that. I, I used to be a destination type person and and uh, just very fixed in certain ways. And and now it's 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 just like, I'm just here and I'm in the process of it all. And process, if you look at the term of it, it means never completed. And you're just always constantly working on something. And, and it's one of those aspects of really tapping in because I had a lot of imposter syndrome stuff the way you explain it. That's why I was curious to see what your definition was on that. Um in the same aspect of having a lot of self-doubt. And then eventually one day I was just like, okay, I can continue to have self-doubt or I can just change that and go a different, and just, I'm tired of feeling that way. So how if I just go this way? And it was amazing to see the other end of that. So it's kind of interesting. Before we end, I do want to talk a little bit about your book. If you mind sharing your book and what it's about. And also, yeah, you're noticing, I love throwing these three questions at you at once. <laughs> and who did you write the book for also? You know, a number of people said to me who came to the class, uh, not students, but, you know, adults, uh, they said, you know, this is so great, but the ideas you're talking about in here should have a wider audience because these are things that concern everybody who's trying to either be an entrepreneur, start their own business, uh, make a living with their ideas and the creativity and so on. And I have what made my class wonderful is I had the opportunity, like you doing the podcast, I had the opportunity to meet people, to talk to them about what they do. And that was inspiring to me. I learned from all of my guests. So that was great. So I wanted to have a wider audience for what I was doing and sharing those ideas because I thought they would be of value to a much wider audience. And fortunately, that's turned out to be the case. So that's why I wrote it. Uh, I didn't, ex it would have been nice, but I didn't expect to make a fortune from the book. <laughs> but uh, it's very satisfying because I'm very proud of the book that I wrote. And the feedback that I've gotten has been very gratifying. Uh, and the book is called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. It was published by Hachette. You can, uh, I love saying this part, you can find it at Amazon or all fine booksellers. So, uh, you know, and then, and by the way, as I'm, as you may have found out when you wrote your book, uh, it's quite therapeutic. You start reliving things that you hadn't thought of for quite a while and have a different kind of an insight into them as you're looking through the rearview mirror. Did you find that too? Every book I've written has the exact same thing. It, it's yeah. uh, it's kind of cool. It is. It's very cool, especially if you allow yourself to go down those rabbit holes. That's why I think I, I got, I, guess I wrote my first two books within a year apart. And then I took a couple of years, COVID hit, and I had to refocus on a couple of things. And then I was like, all right, I got to get this next book out. And I did. And I was just like, I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going to write another book before the end of the year. And she's like, we, you haven't even finished the, you haven't even finished your first this this one for this year. You're already talking about another one. I'm like because I have a goal of writing 30 books in my life, but I'm I'm not like saying it has to happen. Uh, it's just I feel like you. I love when you were like I just feel called or I just feel whatever interests me, and that's kind of what my books are. They just they just I just get this thought. And I'm like, 
you know what? That, that's something I need to, that needs to be expressed to the world. I really feel passionate about that. You know what? I, I, when it, the time comes, it'll come and the, the title will come to me. Then all of a sudden, I'll just one day be in a meditation or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, my last, my recent book was Decoding the Matrix. And I'm like, Decoding the Matrix. Man, the conditioning of the mind. Oh my goodness. Yes, I need to write about this. And then it just comes. And so, uh, but yeah, I love how the, the retrospecting going through that and then the stories that come out that I'm like, wow, I didn't even think of writing that story or where that come right. from. And I didn't even remember that. And the, you know, if you, if I, yeah, I had to think when I read it later, sometimes it's like I have to read it later. And then I'll be like, I didn't even see that. I, wow, that story. I don't remember that. Holy cow. I put that in there. Interesting. So I don't know if you had those kind of experiences too. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, it triggered memories that of, of events that happened 35 years ago that, I didn't remember thinking of them since, but they came forward, you know, fully formed. And that was really, that was really interesting. Cause I think it's uh, writing is also a really interesting way to learn about yourself. You know, and I think that those, again, it's the, it's the dots in terms of creativity. When you start going back through your own story, and you pinball around and realize certain influences or certain things that happened that you had never put together quite like that because you really didn't have to. You weren't writing a book or anything. So you weren't going through that kind of review of your own life and your own thoughts about things. And all of a sudden they're coming together and pinballing all around and you discover new things or rediscover things that seem to have a greater significance than they did when they happened originally. That's so true in so many ways. And uh, you, it's easier to connect the dots when you're looking in the rearview mirror of life. And, and, and it's it's funny because yeah, I, I just went through that in the last year of like, you know, choosing, you know, I was doing business mindset coaching, but why would I get into the mindset? Why did I have to have spirituality? And I started looking back at my life and seeing where have those been showing up? And it's like, you look, I looked at chiropractic and I'm like, Man, the neuroscience, functional neurology, the laws of the body, all that stuff. I'm like, that's, I'm like that right there. And I just started putting the pieces together. And I'm like, that's okay. This makes sense where I'm at here now. This is cool. This is why I'm moving in this direction. Well, the, the, um, the Dr. Victor Manzo origin story. Yeah, exactly. And you can even go further back, right? You can go even further back as a kid and going tying the dots there. What were the things right. I did there as a kid? What was I interested? What things did I enjoy? And then you pull that. And, and I think the more we can do more retrospect and those kind of things, the more we can get the answers of what we're uh, you know, leading to more of that fulfillment type stuff. Jeff, before we finish, how can people find you, follow you, get your book? I know you already mentioned where it's located, but just again, just so they can hear it again uh, for all the listeners. The book is called Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. It's available at Amazon and all fine booksellers. Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn, uh, B. Jeffrey Madoff. And I post clips from my class. So you'll hear from a wide range of really interesting people, from Academy Award winners and Pulitzer Prize winning journalists, uh, to entrepreneurs and designers and artists and all kinds of people. And, uh, and that's one of the things about the book also is that's not, it's not a recipe for success because there is no such thing, but it gives you ideas to think about and what resonates with you. Uh, so LinkedIn is a really good source. Also Instagram at a creative career 
which also has the clips from the class and so on. Madoffproductions.com is the website for my production company. And then I also, uh, one of the things I do on a daily basis for fun, it's kind of my meditation, if you will. I mean, exercise is my meditation. And also, I every day I walk five to seven miles around New York City. I love New York City. And I take pictures of life in New York. Could be buildings. It could be an interesting shot of just a person doing something or whatever. And on Instagram, it's at Jeff underscore Madoff. And, you, and what I started it for was just to keep my visual chops going and also to keep me awake and keep me present, always kind of looking and wow, what's a cool moment that I want to capture and just shooting. And it's fun. I love it. I love that. And for all, for all the listeners, I'll have that in the show notes for you. Um, Jeff, this was great. I, I enjoyed I knew this was going to be a great convo. I really enjoyed it. And I know the listeners will too. And, and I just want to thank you for coming on, taking time, sharing some space with us here at the Mindful Experiment. And, uh, you know, keep doing the amazing work that you're doing because I, I believe we need to, as humans, start to get more, get back into our creative side. And I think that will help us shift the gears to f- f- find more fulfillment in our lives and so much more. Thanks a lot for having me on, Vic. It was a lot of fun. I just feel like I'm sitting here talking to a friend. So thanks a lot, man. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.